Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Purpose Driven Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guest today is Marsha Dashko. She is the founder and CEO of Marsha Dashko and Associates, and also she is the author of Pivot, Disrupt, Transform, How Leaders Beat the Odds and Survive, and she's the co-author of Turning Ideas into Impact, Insights from 16 Silicon Valley Consultants. Marsha, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk to you too, Marsha. Um, so essentially, this podcast might as well be called Entrepreneurs on Their Deathbed, because I'm going to ask you questions like, how do you hope you'll be remembered when you die? <laughs> um, so I don't know if you've ever thought about your death very much, or what kind of legacy you hope to leave, or the eulogy that you hope will be said. But I'm curious how that hits you. Uh, what jumps out at you as things that you hope you're remembered for? This is interesting because I have asked this question yeah. to my executive teams when we're in a retreat setting and it's really shocking to them. And I've ended up with people in tears because right. I have them think about it and write out, um, not a whole eulogy, but some, some points. And the purpose of why I did it once was because one company owner talked over and over and over again about money, 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 money. And I wanted to, his whole life was about money. And so um, I asked them to do that exercise and we went around the room and he, like others said, you know, what they wanted on their tombstone was, you know, father, um, uh, nothing having to do with business. Yeah. And I said, are you sure? And yeah. he said, what? And I said, are you sure that's what you want on your tombstone? And he said, yes, why not? And I said, well, I thought you would want your bank balance. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Obviously, I wanted to make a point. Yeah. And he got it. And Everyone on his management team got it and he had to re-examine his life. And if I had done it another way, if I had just told him something, right, he wouldn't have gotten it. Yeah. But by asking him questions and having him think, what does he think is important versus what is how is he acting? The two were disparate. So he yeah. had to rethink. What is doing? So uh, I'm curious, what is it for you, Marsha? So um, definitely my legacy is all about family, but uh, professionally, and someone pointed this out to me just a couple of days ago. Um, they said, you know, what do you, what do you care about? And I said, family and named off my family members. And they said, but you also have had a, an amazing career. And I've thought about that. And yes, I've been super fortunate. I've, I've been everything from seventh grade teacher to a career in marketing and corporate communications. And my master's is in that field to then being mentored by some world famous 
transformation gurus, Dr. W. Edwards Deming, Dr. Perry Gluckman, um, Dr. Russ Akoff, Dr. Myron Tribus, they all mentored me and taught me Dr. Deming's philosophy of management and how to apply it and how to consult with people about how to pivot, how to lead, how to transform themselves and their organizations. So what I want to be, what my legacy would be that essentially, whether I'm teaching children or executives, um, anyone, parents, that I cared about learning and I cared about helping them learn to have a better life and a better career and do things better so that, that things are not adversarial in their life, but instead they are very, um, life should flow, just like work should flow, information should flow, communication should flow. And when your life is not flowing, when work is not flowing, that is the time to ask the questions about what are the barriers? What are the limitations? What's getting in the way? It's like rocks in a river. You know, it's like it, the river doesn't flow if there are a lot of rocks. There are a lot of barriers to the flow. But you, what you need to do is identify the rocks in your life, in your career, um, and, and remove those rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting when I ask this question, almost everybody's answer is that they hope that they will have improved the lives of others. Um, almost to the point where it's getting cliche to me, but for you personally, Marsha, what specifically, like in what ways specifically are you hoping that you will have made other people's lives better? When people have, I don't want to call it a goal, but when they have their own mission, their passion, I want to help them discover what they deeply, passionately care about and help them on their journey toward that, toward that passion. So yeah. if I can help them identify and remove rocks um, in their life, that's what I want to do. I mean, I've had clients that have said to me, Marsha, we have been struggling with those same issues for over 10 years. And you come in, take a look at the organization, talk to the people, identify what those rocks are, and immediately start teaching us how to remove those. And they said, we've learned more in a few, in a few weeks and months that, and, and those things we struggled with for years. Another client wanted to take his company from 30 to 35 or $40 million. And once we could identify what new culture systems, processes, communication, leadership development, and so forth is organization needed, then we created a, a, a plan that continually improved and the company went from 30 to $300 million. Amazing. So, yes. um, what, what have been a few of the most common rocks that you've found? 
Almost everybody people. has, yeah. They need to identify what's important to them, what they care about, what where they want to contribute, where they want to make a difference, and make sure they're on that path. They might have some goals, like they'll they'll just. I might be at a conference, and someone will mention to me that they want to publish a book, and I'll mention, "Oh, um, what's your book about?" and I'll say, uh, I recommend, recommend that you contact, you know, so-and-so publisher or so-and-so agent. And all, and I don't think anything more about it. And it may be a year or two later that either I run into them or they contact me and say, I got my book published all because of you, because you opened that door or you opened that a mindset idea. So, I think that when it comes to what do I do, what can I do, it's in the conversations to just ask questions. Some people that I've mentored, they they asked me a question. Mark, um, though, one person called and said, "Should I buy a condo?" And I'm like, "This is like not a common question that I get." But I didn't give an answer. I asked her questions. And I said, okay, let's think about this. You've graduated from college. Someday you wanna go on for your master's. You work at a global company so you could uh, pursue your career anywhere in the world. And I, at that point, I did not say, what the heck are you thinking? Why would you wanna do that and tie yourself down at this young age? I just asked a few questions and said, well, Go think about these things and then call me when you when you have more questions or an answer. And she did. She called and said, no, I'm not going to buy the condo here. And that's great because that was in Chicago. And now she lives in Florida, married with two kids and still working for the global organization. All right. But yes. Yeah. Uh, Marsha, I've got a really dumb question for you. Um, <laughs> And I'm sure somebody else uh, that's li that's listening is it doesn't know this either. Uh, who's Dr. Demings? Oh, Dr. Deming. Oh, okay. So, Dr. Deming was a statistician and a consultant, and he was invited by General MacArthur um, after World War II to go over to Japan and help the Japanese out of their crisis. So he went over there and when Japan was known for very poor quality and they had just lost the war and he taught the executives his philosophy of management. And he said, if you learn and apply my principles, you can become a global competitor. And that's why Japan is now such a global competitor, huh. took, a, took a lot of American industries. And then Dr. Deming came back to the US and this is, he was in his eighties at the time. He came back to the US, he worked with the CEO of General Motors and Ford to help save our auto industry. And then he taught them how to transform. So basically that's what he taught, continual improvement, high quality focus on 
your customers and the customer experience and the service. And, and by using his system of profound knowledge and that systems thinking, statistical thinking, it's, it's looking at data over time to make better decisions. There's, I can't explain it all in a, in a short time, but for leaders, it is essential to look at Dr. Deming's philosophy of management, especially if you want to improve, innovate, pivot, adapt, be a leader in your industry, or even be a leader in your own organization where you're developing your people, people are transforming over their lives and their careers. Um, and one of the main things is challenge a lot of the best, quote unquote, best practices and management fads that we have. That yeah. is a big, that's a part of my book. Part one of the book is stop. Stop doing all of these management fads because they create dysfunctional. Give me an example stop. of a management fad. Um, okay. Performance appraisals. Many, many organizations, they, they start up, they get 10 or 20 or 50 employees. And then they say, HR might say, oh, well, we need to have performance appraisals and we need to rank and rate the people and we need to create a performance management program. It's not about the individuals. It's about how the individuals work together. And they should abolish performance appraisals because it's a substitute, a poor substitute for leadership. So, and if they, if they abolish performance appraisals, and there's a book called that, Abolishing Performance Appraisals, written by a couple of friends of mine. If they do that, they can save their company tens of thousands and the big companies will save millions of dollars because they're not wasting time doing performance appraisals and demotivating their workers and creating toxic work environments. I could, I could see somebody listening and thinking, yeah, but we need to make sure that we are accurately assessing the performance of our workforce. The people that are working need to ha have a good understanding of how well they're doing. So what would you say to that? So I, again, there's a, we could talk hours about that, but, um, but what you need is leadership who knows how to communicate. So in the book also, I have something called the strategic compass. There are five questions in the strategic compass. It can basically, if a leader can deeply answer those five questions with their management team and communicate it to all of their employees, it's like, it's like any great team. If you put them together, you're clear about what work you want to do together to serve others, then you communicate, you openly communicate. And the focus of the communication is how do we improve and improve and improve? I don't need to be ranked and rated and I, in order to, to get better and better. And I don't need to have that tied to my compensation system either. Mm. That, that can be totally separate. Like if it, um, a friend of mine, um, Peter Schultes, who wrote a couple of books, one was a leader's handbook. He said, if you want people to do good work, 
give them good work to do. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) So it's one thing to have a conversation and get and give feedback, but to rank and rate and put people down. And the, the problem is we have too many managers, I don't call them leaders, managers, bosses that think that it's their job to judge, blame, criticize instead of develop, teach, facilitate learning for the future. And that's the old way of thinking and they need to transform themselves. And I had one, um, a president transform overnight. I I showed him a list of, and it's in the book, uh, an old way of thinking and a better way of leading. And he looked at the list where he would, you know, judge, criticize, blame, you know, my way or the highway, one way thinking. Um, And then he looked at the second list and it was about teaching and developing people and so forth. And he looked at me after looking at that list and he said, Marsha, can I stop doing these things? And I said, yes, anytime. And he said, and start doing these things. And I said, yes, he changed overnight. He shocked his management team because he said, these don't feel good, but this is what I was taught. And I've been doing this for 30 years. And he changed overnight. And his, his executive assistant said to me, Marsha, what did you do to him? And I said, I just showed him that there's a better way. We talked about being a better way. And he said, will, she said, will he change back? And I said, sometimes yes. When he gets stressed, he might automatically be reactive and criticize someone instead of looking to understand what they're dealing with. But she said, oh, okay. So she was a little startled at first, but um, I said, that's why I'm here. Because when he reacts back, I'm here to guide him and advise him and help him move forward. Yeah. Um, Marsha, I've got one for fun question that I want to ask you before we go. And uh, it's, so we're talking about legacy. I'm a kid's book author. I believe that you can't leave a legacy without reaching the hearts of kids. So yes. what's a topic or idea you would make a kid's book about if you could? Hmm. I have a title, but it, I haven't figured out how to write it. What's the and, title? Um, the Little Red Book About the Red Beads. Dr. Deming in his four-day seminars did a red bead experiment. And I have wanted to write a kid's book to share those lessons, but I haven't figured that out yet. But um, for children, I'm a strong, strong, strong believer in not grading children. Mm. And in, even in my MBA classes, I, I tell them the first night that we're not going to focus on grades. If you do these things, then I will, everybody gets an A. And they're shocked and they're ecstatic because they're willing to do the work. And I said, so, and then they go and I asked them, so if we're not going to focus on grading, because that's what you've been focusing on, you know, how am I going to grade you? 
what, we're, what are we going to focus on? And one of the, the students in the class who is a mid-level manager said very kind of quietly, shyly, he said, learning? Can we focus on learning? <laughs> and I said, bingo. That is the most important thing that I think we need to develop in children. And what we need to um, not, like children over time, they lose their creativity because they are judged and criticized and graded. And now those are called, and Dr. Deming called them forces of destruction. So the most important thing, if I was writing a book, is I would think about how can we, how can there be things in the book to help them be more and more and more creative? So lots of questions. That's what I would make the book yeah. about. I love it. Marsha, I just heard your doorbell ring. So it sounds like you have to go. I'm out of time. Uh, how can listeners connect with you? Okay, so um, they can go to my website, mdashco.com. The challenge is to um, know how to spell the last name. <laughs> D yeah, it's D-A-S-Z-K-O. So it's actually easier to go to Amazon, for example, look up my book, pivot, disrupt, transform, then you've got the spelling of the name and contact information and just reach out and contact me. Excellent. Marcia, thank you so much for taking the time with me. Thank you. It was awesome.